Romans chapter 6, one of the many great chapters in the Bible, and uh, we're going we're gonna to look at this matter of yielding ourselves to God and the, re- the effect it has really on our service to the Lord, as we've been emphasizing serving the Lord now for um, many weeks, several weeks. So the verses we're going to look at really will directly impact our lives as servants of God, per- person really wants to have the heart to serve. I think some hope and help is found in here. The word serve or servant, those two words are mentioned about eight times just in a section of Scripture. And we're we're going to begin by just looking in three verses. So let's stand. If you're able to stand, we'll read together Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. We'll look at some other verses again in a moment. Let's look around now in verse 13. Neither yield ye your members... As instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Then verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And then in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now one thing is obvious to me just in those three verses, and we're going to look at some other places tonight, and that is we're all serving somebody. You know, we're either serving righteousness or we're serving unrighteousness. We're either serving God or we're serving self or sin. And so the emphasis in this passage is about yielding yourselves to God. That's the language in uh, verse 13. But yield yourselves unto God. And let's pray as we get into the scripture. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the fact that we have a Bible, that we can read the Bible and study the Bible and, and not only know what it says, but seek to apply it to our lives. So we pray that you'd bless tonight as we do that. Open our hearts, open our eyes, help us to be attentive. Lord, we want to serve you with our lives. And so we pray that you'd help us to better understand that, all of us, uh, tonight and rejoice in the fact that you would allow us the privilege of being instruments of righteousness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the word yield is mentioned, as you may have noticed in this passage a number of times, verse 13, yield your members. as in, If you yield as a lost person or as a, a person that's not spiritually minded, yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but also he says, but yield yourselves unto God. So what does the word yield What does it mean to yield? When I think about yield, I think about the traffic sign, my first impulse, my first thought uh, is the traffic sign. Um, I did not really, I never really thought about this, but the yield, the yield sign is considered one of the three most uh, significant, important signs of all the traffic signs. I have trouble with all three of them. The first one is stop. Sometimes I have trouble with that. And the second one has to do with uh, yielding, which I sometimes do instead of stopping. 
And the third one has to do with the speed limit, and I struggle with that sometimes. So I'm really, uh, on, on count of three, I'm guilty on 2.5 of them, actually. But I have my wife along to help me know what the speed limit is and things of that nature. But to yield means uh, to yield the right of way or to yield to a pedestrian or to merge. As you're getting on the interstate, it means to yield to the traffic, yield to oncoming traffic. And so, in, But in the Bible, the word yield has two me primary meanings. One of them is an agricultural term, and it means you know, to yield uh, produce, you know, uh, yielding fruit. That's, that's often used in the Bible. But the, but the one we're talking about is similar to the traffic sign. It means to, to, means to yield. It means to concede to another person or to give in to somebody. If you're yielding to someone, it means basically you're allowing them to go first. A synonym would be to surrender. Uh, in yielding, we're putting others before yourself or deferring to others. And so in our text, the Bible's talking about yielding to God. We're to yield ourselves to God. And, and I'm not going to spend the whole time tonight talking about that, but that's really worth thinking about. In this passage, uh, Paul is writing about either one of these two, one of these two um, possibilities. One of them is we're yielding our lives to God and what that means. And the other one is that we're yielding to ourself or yielding to sin and it is the way I understand it, you can't do both at the same time. You're either yielding to God or you're not yielding to God. And so, and by the way, only a Christian can do this. this. This discipline, only a Christian can really obey this. A lost person can't yield their members to God. A lost person can pray. A lost person can do good works. A lost person can do, but a lost person can't yield their members to God because anything that we offer to God is not acceptable when we're lost. The Bible says even the plowing of the wicked is sin. You know, there's nothing that that can be considered righteous by a person that's unsaved. So if you're tonight and you're not saved, I don't want you to think that by yielding some time or yielding yourself to God part of the time that somehow fixes the problem. It doesn't. You know, a saved person can yield themselves to God as a believer. And as a believer, we're called upon to do that. And if you really think about this, we're not just called upon to do that when we get saved. We are called upon to do that when we say We give control of our life over to the Lord when we trust Him as our Savior. But we're to yield to Him all the time. We're to be yielding to Him as a way of life. You know, as a matter of fact, if we could discipline ourselves or program ourselves to do that, we would be yielding ourselves to God numerous times during the day. We're gonna, that means we're giving God the right of way in our life. We're, giving, we're giving, our, giving God the option of telling us and directing us about what we should, should or should not do. So we, and how do we yield ourselves to God? The Bible says in a couple places here that we yield ourselves by yielding our members. Look in verse 13. Neither Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So it talks about both the, lost, the person who yields themselves to sin and the person who yields themselves to God in the same, 
in the same language, they're yielding their, their, their members as instruments. So, so we're to yield our members as instruments. And um, now what is an instrument? An instrument is like a tool. An instrument is uh, it's really kind of a, in warfare, it'd be like a weapon. We're yield, that's what our, we yield our members as instruments. God wants to use our members. Now, what are our members? That's not talking about the church members. What does it mean when he's talking about members? It's talking about the members of our body. That means yielding your eyes to God as instruments of righteousness as opposed to yielding your eyes to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness or yielding your hands. Your, that's a member of your body or yielding your feet or your mind is an instrument. It's a, it's a member of your body, your mind Yielding your thoughts, your mind, unto God as an instrument, as a tool of righteousness. Or the, the opposite would be yielding our thoughts or our mind to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness. So these members of our body are instruments. So we're to yield we're, the members of our body, which are instruments. And so what we look at, what we think about, what we say... We're always to be yielding our, our bodies. The, you remember, we, we just had song service. And when we're singing, when we're singing, the members of our body are engaged. Our eyes are looking at the words we're singing. Our mind is thinking about the words that we're singing. Our voices are, are expressing the words. Their, our lips are tongue is making those sounds where our members are actually involved in worship and we're yielding our members as instruments of, of righteousness. Now a person can do the same thing in a negative way. They can use their mind to think on things they shouldn't. They can use their tongue to say things they shouldn't. And all this has to do with how we yield ourselves. Are we yielding ourselves to God, are we yielding the members of our body as instruments of righteousness? Are we yielding ourselves to self? We can, you know, you can carry on a conversation with a person, and we can be yielding our our mind to think positive things and our tongue to say positive things, things that are agreeable with the Scripture. Or we can yield ourselves to criticism, yield, yield our tongues and our minds to unbelief and things that aren't pleasing to God. So all of this has to do, I believe, with activity that, that we may not think matters that much, and yet the end result is great, great change. And great, it can be positive, it can be negative. And so the admonition here that we're really focusing on in verse 13 there is that we're to yield ourselves unto God, but yield, don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. And, and so that's exactly what we're to do. And those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Imagine, you know, God, before we were saved, what we, what we did with our bodies, what we did with our minds, what we did with our tongues, what we did with our eyes was not pleasing to God. And just because you get saved doesn't mean that automatically your words and your actions and your attitudes 
are going to be pleasing to God. They're only going to be pleasing to God as we yield them to God. And, I, and so this is really, it's a, it's a kind of an admonition to understand and apply this matter of yielding. And look, look what it says in verse 13. But yield yourselves unto God. Now what does that tell us? Just let's think simply about the, the language there. You're to yield yourself to God. I'm to yield myself. So what does that mean? It means it's a conscious decision. I don't get up in the morning. I don't get up in the morning and uh, immediately my mind is yielded to God. I don't, maybe you're different than I am. I don't get up in the morning and, my, and everything about me is just automatically surrendered to God in the place it ought to be having the right attitude, things of that nature. It's a conscious decision. It's not something you're forced to do. If I'm, if I'm to yield my, my, the, my members of my body as instruments of righteousness unto God, if I'm to do that, it means that I'm not forced to do that. I have a choice to do that. And that's why lots of people don't do it. They say things without thinking about what they're going to say. They look at things without thinking about the danger in that. Uh, so this, this phrase in verse 13, and I just want to really focus on a particular aspect of this for a moment, where it says, yield yourselves unto God. To me, it deals with the matter of the matters of God's sovereignty and our responsibility. I have a responsibility as a child of God I have, a, I have a responsibility to make a conscious decision on a regular basis to yield myself to God. Right? It's my response, and it's your responsibility. Now, think about who God is. God is almighty. God is omniscient, omnipresent. God, is, God knows everything. He's, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful, and God has a will for us. Now, could God, being the almighty God that he is, could he impose his will on us? Could he force his will on us? He could, if he wanted to. I mean, he could make you, uh, right now, just he could make you love him with all your heart. He could make you desire to desire his will more than anything else. He could make you do that. But you know what? As a rule, God does not do that. Why? Because he created us with the ability to choose. He, God, God wants me to, work, to serve him because I love him. He wants me to serve him because I want to serve him. He, he could have made us like robots where we just, just did it. We just, we'd sing praises to him. You know, he, I mean, he could program us so the first thing out of our mouth every morning is, you know, Bless the Lord, that was the first that was psalm I read this morning. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Well, he could just program you to do that. Wouldn't it be great? You don't even have to think about it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to pray about it. You just wake up consciously and all of a sudden you start saying, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Wouldn't that be great? But you know what? God didn't make us that way. God made us where we would yield ourselves to him. Where we would surrender ourselves to him where I, we, would, we would want him to work in our life. You know, it, it seems when you, when you say, and I say this sometimes during the service, I may say it during the invitation time, 
why don't you just let God have his way? And there's a part of, when I say that, there's a part of me that thinks God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Why would we really have the right, have the power to let God have his way? You know what I'm saying? And yet that's exactly the way God has made it. God wants us. That doesn't mean that that does not mean that God is limited in his power like he's weak. God is chosen in his great power to to allow us to make decisions that are good for us and will bring honor and glory to him. So no one forces us. By the way, no one forces us to love God and no one forces us to sin. No, no one makes us obey God. Now, obviously, some of you young people are here tonight. Your parents probably didn't give you a vote about whether you got to come or not. But, but as a, God didn't make them come, you know. No one makes us do that. And, and I think we ought to think about that. We ought to think about the choices that we make. And... If we don't yield our members to God, we're going to, we're going to say things, do things, act in ways that really aren't pleasing to God. For instance, you know, as Jesus got close to the cross, as he got nearer to the cross, he began to reveal to his disciples that what they were expecting to happen in Jerusalem and what was really going to happen in Jerusalem were two different things. They were expecting him to come as a king and reign as the Messiah, and eventually he, will, he did come as the Messiah, and eventually he will reign on this earth as king. But the part about the crucifixion and the denial and the humiliation and the death, they didn't, they didn't get that. They really didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They couldn't grasp it. And when Jesus said, explained that to the disciples... Simon Peter, that we would consider to be the leader among the pack, said, not so, Lord. We're never going to let that happen. We're not going to, you know, I don't know what you're thinking, but we're not going to let that happen. And what is it? We know many of you could answer this. What is it that Jesus said to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Think about that. Get thee. Imagine someone saying that to you as a, as a disciple as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, what you're saying came from Satan. That's what he was saying. Get thee behind. Satan was the one that was instrumental in Simon Peter really contradicting what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter said, no way. Now the point is this. What Peter did was used, first of all, his mind and then his mouth to contradict what Jesus said. And it really originated with Satan. Satan put the thought in his mind and without him questioning it or considering who he's talking to, I mean, you'd think, you'd think the idea comes to your head, we can't let this happen we can't let Jesus die. This can't be right. The idea comes to your head. You'd think somewhere between the, the mind and the mouth, something, there would be a check saying, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense, but don't say it. 
But the truth is, any of us are capable of thinking things and saying things and doing things that really are not the, the way God in, intended for the members of our body to be yielded to Him as instruments of a righteousness, and really they become just the opposite if we're not yielded to Him, if we don't yield our members to Him. And so we can yield our minds as instruments of righteousness, or we can yield our minds to instruments of unrighteousness. And I don't think it's always a conscious decision when we yield our minds as instruments of unrighteousness. It's just our natural tendency. Right? We just say things. And this impact of yielding our members, really, in our text, is taken sort of to another level. Because we, we recognize, and I hope you see this, we can yield to sin or we can yield in obedience to God. But when we do that, there is the potential of it becoming even more dangerous. Look at look in verse 12, it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, what does the word reign mean? Reign means to rule. It means to control. Don't let sin control you. Don't let sin reign in your body. Now, why does it say that in verse 12 before the context that we've read in verse 13 and following? And I'll, I think because if we sin... If we continue to sin, if we yield our members to, to, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, we're not just sinning, we're yielding a part of the control of our life, really, to sin. And it, and it can reign, it can rule. I believe the more we yield ourselves to, to sin, we yield ourselves as members of our members to unrighteousness, the more power it has in our life. We know that we know that with um, um, substance abuse, we know that that if you you just do something a time or two or three or five or ten before long, you find yourself, you know, under control of it. People want to quit this. I, you know, they're addicted to certain things. We see a lot of that. We see it. Some of us have experienced that, or you know, people that have done that. And you know what, sin. Sin doesn't, the first time a person smokes a cigarette or the first time a person does drugs or the first time a person drinks alcohol, they're, they're, not, they're not addicted the first time. Now they say there's some drugs that the first time may be addictive, but they do it again and they want to do it again. And, and eventually though, what happens is it becomes harder and harder to quit. And, it's, and that's, true in a, that's true in substance abuse, but it's really true in principle about sin. It's that way not just about substance, it's about any kind of sin. You know, a person, you know, all, all of us have been guilty at some time in our life of saying something that's not true. But I know that I've known people in life that are such habitual liars, it's easier for them 
to lie than it is to tell the truth. I mean, they just come out with automatic lies, just spew them out. You, how do you know they're lying? If they're talking, they're lying. I mean, and a lot of them can't make any way else, so they become politicians. Sorry about that. But anyway. But the truth is, sin is addictive. And it could be, it's with your appetites, it can be with your anger. The more you do it, the more it becomes second nature to you. And that's really what these verses are warning us about. Not just the danger of yielding yourself to sin, that you have a sin that you need to confess, but the larger danger is if you yield yourself long enough, you become controlled by it. And this language is used several times there in the Bible. Look in verse 14. Paul writes, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Now, in, my, in our lost condition, sin really did have dominion over us. But since we're saved, as a saved person, sin should not have dominion over us. Any kind of sin. The sin of being disrespectful to authority. The sin of, of, disre of, of disrespecting parents. The sin of lying. The sin, whatever the sin, the sin of boasting and being prideful. The sin of gossip or evil speaking or the sin of just being chronically negative. These are all things that are out of line with God's will for our life. And yet, the more, more we do them, the more they become second nature to us. Sin is addictive. But it's not to have dominion over us. So I believe one of the reasons this is so dangerous is because constantly yielding to sin leads to spiritual bondage. Now this may be sort of a technicality. I don't think it is. But as in these verses here, in verses, if you were to begin in verse 13 and go down through verse 20, um, the word servant is used... Uh, many times, servant or servants. In verse 16 it says, Know you not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey. Now we've been talking about serving the Lord for many weeks. Uh, about, about ministering to one another, about what it means to be a servant of God. And, and the word almost always in that regard is like from the word deacon, diakonos. It's where the word deacon came from. It's like a transliteration of the word diakonos. And diakonos is like a waiter. We've talked about this uh, many times. It's like a, a person who is, is waiting on someone, who's serving someone, who's a minister to someone. But in every one of these cases, the word translated as servant is not diakonos. It's doulos or doulon. And Dulan is not just a waiter, it's a, he's a slave. Dulan is a slave. And I, I'm not, I can't say for certain in verse 19 where it says, Paul says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you've yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, if it's time to yield your members' servants to righteousness and holiness. I'm not sure what he means. I speak after the manner of men. But some people believe he said that because he's using this object lesson of slavery, which is a very sensitive topic to talk about, having servants, being a master, having servants, that he's using that as a subject because, after, because you understand that. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. 
And the point being that we, whoever we yield ourselves servants to, we become the servants, the, the, the servants of that master. Look at verse 16 again. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So Paul says, and these are not his Paul words, these are God's words, that whoever you yield yourself to, you become a slave to that. Whoever you yield, your, you yield yourself, always giving in to your flesh, always giving in to your own selfishness, you become a slave to that. I mean, that's very clear to me in the language. And so he's, he's saying there that um, it's not just about yielding yourself to a sin, it's becoming a slave to that sin. It's become in bondage to that sin. And he's writing primarily to believers. That's another thing important to understand. If, if, if we could say to a person, some people kind of preach this way, but I don't, I don't believe this. If we could say to a person, all you have to do is get saved and you're never going to have a problem with sin again, then that, wouldn't that be wonderful? You just get saved. Not only getting saved, it means all your sins are forgiven, but it also means you're never going to have a problem with sin. But the truth is, as long as we're in this body, in this life, we're going to have struggles with sin. All of us are. And if we, and if we yield ourselves to those sins, we become in bondage to those characteristics, to those Sins. Now, now salvation is, is, the, is, the, is the, the point that ought to change our life. Look in verse 17. It says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. That word means a doulos. You were a slave to sin. And by the way, even you may have been a child when you got saved. If you were old enough to be converted then you were, in your own way, a slave to sin. And that could just mean selfishness and dishonesty, things of that nature. So he says there, but God be thanked in verse 17, that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. you so when, when a person gets saved, there's a... There's a break. There's a change in their life. We're no, we no longer have to be servants of sin. We have the ability to become servants of God. We are to become servants of God. Look in verse 18. Being then made free from sin. If you're saved, being then made free from sin, you became what? The servants of righteousness. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not adding anything to what the Bible says, and I'm just trying to go through and explain what the Bible says. You were, when you were lost, you were a servant to sin. But being made free from sin, you became what? A servant of righteousness. Now, that's, that's what God intends for every one of his children, that every one of his children would be servants of righteousness. And... I think it's important that we understand that, that this is God's will for our life. I have a great uh, problem with people who think or preach, and I don't know if it's preached as much as it's just thought, 
that once you get saved, you know, it's okay just to be selfish and not really serve the Lord. No, that's not what God had in mind for you. That's not what God had in mind for you. You say, well, I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't, maybe God tricked me. I didn't really know what I was getting when I got saved. I didn't either. I just knew I needed to be saved. I knew I was lost. I knew I didn't deserve uh, to go to heaven. I knew that I was guilty of sinning against God, and I knew Jesus died for my sins. And I, I, didn't, I didn't ask him to make me a servant of righteousness. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. And you know what? He did that. But then he gives me the Bible to tell me what he wants for my life. And I don't find anywhere in this book where it says God wants any of us to get saved so we can just not serve him or live for us. If you, if you can find that in there, let me know because I've read it through a bunch of times and I've never found it in there. He wants us to be his, he wants, young people, he wants every one of us that are saved to be his servants. Not just some of us, all of us. That's God's plan for us. And so whom we yield ourselves to, the Bible says, his servants, we become. We're free from sin that we could serve righteousness. And so I believe everybody's going to be somebody's servant. You're either going to be a servant of righteousness or you're going to be a servant of sin. And, and so you say, I don't, I don't want to be a slave. Well, you don't get a choice about whether you're going to be a slave or not. You just get a choice about who you're going to be a slave to. Right? You can be a slave to sin and self, or you can be a slave of God, a slave to righteousness. I'd rather be his, his servant. Look at, look at in verse 20, it says, this describes the lost person. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. That's true. When I was lost, I was a servant of sin. And I was free from righteousness. Righteousness was not a part of my life. It wasn't a part of my vocabulary. It wasn't on my bucket list to be a righteous person. It wasn't because I was, I was enslaved to sin. I was, and I was free from righteousness. But... He, he, then he came and set us free. Look in verse 19. I'm going to read this again. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have, past tense, yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even, that's the way you live. Even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now again, I, 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 I know me better than I know anybody else and I don't know me as well as God knows me but I, I know me the best and I know this that I know what it's like to serve sin I'm not happy about it I'm not proud of it I know what it's like I know what it's like to live in sin I know what it's like to think about sinning I know what it's like to sin and not be guilty about it I know what it's like to lie and not bother me because I remember what it's like to be lost I remember that. And if you're here tonight and you can lie and it doesn't bother you, if you can talk back to mom and dad and it never bothers you, you need to ask yourself, have I really been saved? Because he makes a difference in our life. He changes us. And the language I think here is so important, verse 19, where he says, you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. That means... Iniquity being like sin, from one sin to another sin. And that's the way 
that's the way the selfish nature is. That's what, one sin leads to another sin. You, you do this, you become, you do this, and you, you, next thing you know, you're doing something even worse. And we know that's true of a lot of addictions. It's true of drunkards. It's true of those who are addicted to moral perversion. It's just one thing. You don't just sin and be satisfied with that sin. One sin leads to another sin. And he said this, just like you yielded your members, your eyes, your mind, your words, your hands, your feet, just like you yielded your members to unrighteousness, now you're to yield your members to God. If you're saved, young person, if you're saved and you have thought in your mind like a lost person when you were lost, now you're to use your mind for God. You're to think about things that are spiritual. You're to, you're to dwell on things that mattered. And you say, well, I don't, I don't think this really affects Christians. I think you're wrong about that. I think you're wrong about it. Now, sometimes when I look at people and talk to people and try to work with people that are, that are consistently doing the wrong thing, sometimes I think, you know, they may just need to get saved. And that's true. In many cases, that's true. They just need to get saved. But I know sometimes you can do wrong, even as a Christian, you do the wrong thing enough times until it just becomes natural to do the wrong thing. It happens. It can happen. Even to save people. You ever, you ever ask a person this question or had the person say this to you? Because I have a number of times. Someone that used to be in church, used to be serving the Lord, used to be involved in outreach, and, and then they got away from it. Maybe something happened. They got away from it. They quit coming to church for a while. Who knows what happened? And, but they've been out of, out of the routine for so long and you say to them, man, you really need to get back to church. And they say something to this effect. I know I need to, but I, it's just like every time I try, it's just like it's so hard for me to get back in the groove. How many of you ever had anybody say something like that? I've had numerous people say that. Now, whether they're saved or not, I don't know, but I, I know this. You, you yield yourself as a servant of unrighteousness for long enough you become a slave to that. It's, and it's not just a matter of, of, of what we think about. It's, I think it's what God teaches us. Sin leads to more sin. When we, what does it mean when he says in verse 13, yield yourselves unto God? What does it mean to yield your... It means we yield our members to God and we yield ourselves to God's will and God's control. You know, God saves us to take us to heaven, right? God saves us because he doesn't want us to go to hell. God saves us because he wants us to be a part of his family. But God also saves us that we might glorify him with our lives, that we might serve him with our lives. And the more a person makes decisions that are contrary to what the Bible says, the more that is going to have a control or influence over their life. And it's, I think it's just as real as it can be. But by the same token, the more we yield ourselves to righteousness, the more we become servants of righteousness. And that's his language. 
We become servants of righteousness. Aren't you? I mean, I don't answer this, but I'm just glad that I'd rather come to church than stay home. It's easier. It's more desirable. I don't think I'm just a good person. It's not that. I think the more we yield ourselves to the right thing, the more the right thing is going to have its influence on our life. And look in verse 22. It says, but now being made free from sin and become servants, really slaves to God, you have your fruit unto holiness. It produces holiness in your life and the end, everlasting life. Now I want to wrap this up by just uh, repeating to me how practical this is. We have to yield ourselves to God. Young person, you've got to yield your mind to God. And I don't do this every day of my life, but many days, as, as much as this is my life, I think you all know me well, as much as this is my life, I still have days where I deliberately, consciously, intentionally say, God, I want to yield my mind to you today. I want to yield my body to you. I want to yield my thoughts to you, yield my hands to you. I want to yield my eye. I don't want to look at things you don't want me to look at. I don't want to listen to things you don't want me to listen to. I don't want to speak things that aren't pleasing to you. You say, why do you do that? Because that's what it says to do. Yield yourselves. Yield your members. That's something you have to consciously do. That's something we have to deliberately do. It's a conscious, intentional act. God's not going to force you. God's not going to force you to think pure thoughts. God's not going to force you to, to, to serve others rather than yourself. God's not going to make you do that. God's not going to make us speak wholesome words. But we yield our members to God and we surrender our will to God and we yield our mind to God. And as we do, we become servants of righteousness. We live in such a self-serving, selfish culture that just saying, I want to be somebody's servant is just so demeaning in the eyes of some. But I tell you, it's a pleasure to serve God. And I want my members to be yielded to Him. So I ask the question tonight, is your, is your life yielded to God? Are your thoughts yielded to God? Are your words yielded to God? I want, I want us to be, and I know many people here, I think it's just a reminder really, it's, not, it's nothing new for most of us. I want us to change and keep changing the trajectory of our lives by yielding ourselves to God more and more to become servants of righteousness. You know, I mentioned earlier, if young people are here and they don't have any real say about whether they come to church or not, mom or dad makes those decisions for you and thank God that they do. But you know what will make you, when you, if you're sitting here tonight and you're 12 or 10 or 15 or 18, whatever age you are, you know what will make you be sitting here if the Lord tarries 10 years from now? 15 years from now, you got your family sitting here with you. You're, you know what will make that happen for you? 
is when you're not just doing it because mom or dad makes you do it. You're doing it because you've become a servant of righteousness. That's what we want to be with our life. Servants yielding our members to God. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. And would you pray tonight about this? Would you individually, personally say, Lord, I want to I do this. I want to I start practicing this. And maybe you already are. Like I said, it's just a reminder maybe for many of us, but maybe you never really thought about it this way. I want to yield my, my tongue to God that I speak things that are pleasing to Him. I want to yield my mind to God that I'm thinking on things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are wholesome. I want to yield myself, my members, as instruments of unrighteousness, or instruments of righteousness, excuse me, unto God. And if you, if you know, who knows? There could be someone here tonight, and you're thinking, I haven't been doing that. I've been, I've been doing the opposite. Then confess it to God. Confess it as sin. God, I, I know I haven't been yielding my members to you as I should. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God that teaches us, instructs us, and builds us up. And Father, we know that we have your word to guide us. We also know, God, that we have responsibility to obey it, to practice it, to make it a part of our life. Would you help us with that tonight? I pray that, Father... Our love for you and our appreciation for what it means to be your children and be saved would motivate us to yield our members to you as instruments of righteousness and not to yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness. And God, help us to recognize the need. Remind us, we pray.